0: College circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Let's jump right in. So last week we discussed empathy and we we talked a lot about how to understand that your model of the world, your point of view, isn't the only point of view, isn't the only model of the world. And we really dove into how to step into this empathetic state where you understood that you can actively listen, you can recognize emotions, accept their point of view, their interpretations, restate the problem that they are presenting to you, ask them permission to move forward through the conversation. Uh, We definitely dove into the physical empathy, the emotional empathy, as well as Brene Brown discussing perspective taking, staying out of judgment, recognizing emotions, someone else's feeling, and communicating that you understand an emotion. Uh, there's the three stages uh, or the three parts of empathy, cognitive, emotional, and compassionate. So we really, really got into that and I've gotten some great feedback. So clearly that's been enjoyed. So go back and check that out if you didn't listen to that. So today... We are going to discuss emotionally reacting versus emotionally grounded. And one of the reasons I want to discuss this is I have been getting a lot of messages from people about what has been happening um, in our country Um, from both sides of the aisle, red, blue, everybody listens to the show. So the concern there isn't necessarily my messaging as much as there's been a lot going on with abortion rights, um, there's been a lot going on about January 6th, there's been a lot of social justice issues coming up, a lot of political conversations being had by people where it's it's destroying families, it's destroying friendships, it's causing a uh, a conflict between people. And I'm watching the news, and I don't do it very often, but they play all the news channels at the gym, and I'm there enough that I can see the headlines. They don't give us the captions. They just have all the TVs muted. And I would love captions just to get some context of what they're talking about. But there'll be CNN, there'll be Fox, there'll be MSNBC, and all three of them will be right next to each other. And so I already know enough about those three networks to know that the messaging and the story being told will um, be about the same thing, but the story and, and, and their narrative around it won't be the same thing. And so. One of the things that is very noticeable is when they actually all have the same headline on the screen. And recently, um, they had the same headline that America divided. It was, a very, you know, in whatever way they decided to write it, not all of them put America divided. It was, you know, America divided or, you know, decisiveness, divisiveness, things like that. But it was all basically under this guise of America divided. And so I was like very surprised that it was all the same message. It was all the same headline. Again, there might have been a word variation here or there, but at some point America divided was clearly the narrative that all three of them were trying to push. I don't agree with that. I do not agree that America is divided. I do not believe that we're at each other's throats. I do not think that we're on the brink of a civil war. What I think is, is that we have a Narrative being pushed by media and social media and certain aspects of the people who are the loudest on these platforms. And what they're doing is they are pushing this story because it gets people to pay attention more and gets them to watch. I don't think we're divided. I think that we have a difference of opinion. I think we have different ways that we want to live our lives. I think that. It is not surprising to me that somebody who grows up um, in the inner city of Atlanta or Dallas or Chicago or Los Angeles is going to have a different perspective of life than somebody who grows up in a no stop light town in the middle of Vermont or Kentucky or West Virginia or Iowa or Idaho or South Dakota. I am not surprised at all that we have different points of view. I think it needs to be very much pointed out that these differing points of view do not make us enemies. It does not make us enemies that we have different ways of looking at life. It actually just further speaks to how we're all human, living human lives with an infinite amount of inputs coming into our lives on any given day, week, month, or year, and we're interpreting them differently. We just interpret things differently one person says pro-choice, another person says pro-life, and we want to go at each other's throats when when in fact it is just a model of the world being presented to you. Somebody's education or somebody's morals, ethics, values, somebody's background is directing them to have these specific feelings. Now, I want something, I feel like I'm on a bit of a roll, but something's happening in front of me that I have to discuss with you right now because it's not something that I often see or have seen very frequently until I moved into the country. For most of you, you know, I used to live in Los Angeles and because my family is now located mostly in Huntsville, Alabama, I have relocated here. And we moved into a house for a year. We rented a house while we're waiting to figure out where to buy. And um, our backyard is a mountain. And It is literally a mountain. Like there is no grass. There's nothing. It's you walk four feet out our back door and it just goes straight up and there's a mountain. Well, happening in front of me right now is a herd of deer. Do they call them a herd? I don't know what they call a bunch of deer, but it's a bunch of deer. And so these are the first three. These are the scouts. Ultimately, there's about, I've counted, I think, 13 untold. But they um, will come down off the mountain because recently I've started putting bird feed and deer feed and squirrel food out. So now that they realize that there's food, they're coming down off the mountain more frequently. So I am currently looking at three deer eating corn off of the ground that I just put out knowing full well that they would be attracted to it. And so um, probably 20 feet away from me outside my window are just three magnificent deer eating corn off the ground. And it's pretty fantastic considering I've lived in Hollywood, California for the better part of my tenure in LA, um, 10, maybe close to 11 of those years were spent living, um, in a house smack dab in the middle of Hollywood when outside my window was tent city, USA, tons of homeless people, a basketball court where people openly did drugs and, and used the bathroom. And it was not what I'm currently seeing. One of the reasons why I feel very compelled to share that, besides the fact that this is like the most discovery channel thing that I have seen in quite some time, is that would it be lost on you to think that somebody who looks out their window and sees deer on a regular basis eating corn off the ground would have a different expression of life or a different expression of what a forest and how important it is, um, the life that it can bring, the little the critters running around, the squirrels, the chipmunks, all the birds, the deer. Here comes the fourth deer. Would it be any surprise to you that somebody who looks out at this on a regular basis would have a different expression and viewpoint of how important forests are than somebody who lives in a city, who is surrounded by homelessness and tent cities and open drug use and defecation on the streets and traffic and horns blaring and sirens going off all the time? Do you think that somebody who experiences that most of their life would have a completely different viewpoint on how important a forest is, what it's like to see a deer 20 feet away from them versus somebody who sees this all the time? And what experience do you think that person would have when they walked into a city and saw homelessness and saw open drug use and defecation on the streets? Those two people are going to have a wildly different expression of city life versus country life. Um, They're going to have a wildly different viewpoint on just the world around them in general. Now, this is just me discussing my experiences looking at a forest right now with four deer eating corn I just put out versus the life I was living in Hollywood from 2009, you know, up until just this last Thanksgiving of course, I'm having different experiences. This is so visceral. This is so amazing. I mean, now they got the deer getting ready to eat out of the bird feeder because I knew full well that they would. And it's it's amazing to me what I'm witnessing versus what I used to witness outside my window. And I specifically chose this room in the house knowing I would finally get to look at a forest, which is nothing I've ever had outside my window before. When I was a kid, I had, you know, a barn where there was pigs and chickens, but it was a big tree and there was a barn. It wasn't a freaking mountain. So I'm already experiencing two different internal representations, two different pictures of the world, just based off my own experiences. A year and a half ago, I looked at homelessness. Now I'm looking out at four deer eating corn off the ground. Now let's take this and let's go up a little bit higher. Imagine that somebody who lived in a small community, uh, everybody sort of knew each other, right? You would watch drugs infiltrate, and the next thing you know, there's meth, there's heroin. You'd see people who were doing really well as children all of a sudden become drug users, or they fall on bad times, they lose their job, their house falls into disrepair. Maybe perhaps they uh, have an un, um, unforeseen, un, unwanted pregnancy, and now they're put into a situation where they have to decide what to do there, right? They're used to living in the country where help is not just a 911 and two minutes away, like it would be in a city where you have to protect yourself because the nearest police station might be 35 minutes away, and there might only be three police cars um, that are even you know, on active duty at any given time. The fire department's volunteer, so they can't just start a fire in their house and expect that they'll have help within 3 minutes like I used to have in Hollywood. Imagine what those people's a country person's viewpoint on abortion rights or um you know um sexual um pro- productivity uh what it might be about guns, what it might be around, you know, uh government and taxes. Imagine the different viewpoint that they would li- have they would literally have a different lived experience than somebody who lives in a city. Right. Where it's completely cluttered. There's tons of people. There's homelessness everywhere. You know, if, you know, people having guns weren't raised around them, weren't trained with them. I mean, in in the country where I used to live, you know, getting handed a pistol or a shotgun at five, six years old and being taught basic safety and gun habits was it was just part of growing up wasn't Neanderthal. It wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe you just gave a six-year-old a shotgun. It was a rite of passage and it was treated respectfully versus somebody in a city who's never around guns. Um, They see tons of people, um, you know, different economic levels, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different um, ages and races and creeds and colors. They see like this melting pot, right? They see this big, huge stew of America. Now imagine the different viewpoint, the different points of view, the different models of the world that they're going to have around guns and reproductive rights, and um, you know whether somebody is gay or straight or LGBTQ, the whole deal, it's going to be different. And when you react, and when you get angry at somebody else for having a different lived experience than you, you're allowing your reptilian brain to dictate your behavior in those moments. When we are led by our emotions, that's that, that's the reptilian brain, right? It shuts off that cognitive thinking, that rational mind that can say, wait, 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 wait. There, there, there might be a better way of handling this situation there might be a more desirable way to handle this situation, but instead the emotional mind takes over, right? And we snap back, you know, to a younger version of ourselves. The reptilian brain is very much in charge of us when we are younger, you know, that zero to seven to 10 year old range where we wear our emotions on our sleeve, right? We bump our, we bump our knee and we learn to cry because that means adults will come over and give us attention. Right, We, you know, maybe we bump our knee and we realize that the parents yell, shut up and stop crying and walk it off and be a man. And so that becomes our go-to behavior. But we very much learn um, how to interact within society based on how our emotions are embraced by those around us. So depending on how your emotions were embraced and and how you were either coddled and nurtured or how you were told to man up or, you know, walk it off, it's going to give you a different point of view on emotional expression. And so if you get yourself fired up and you put yourself into a situation where you're going to react rather than respond, and responding is when we are emotionally grounded right? When we stop ourselves from allowing the rage monster, the anger monster, the shame, the guilt, the toxic monster to take over, right? This version of ourselves that we know isn't going to necessarily lead us to a a amenable and amicable, a good ending to what is happening in front of us. I am a very strong proponent for that. It's not Okay. We're going to talk about, I know I'm bringing up some very divisive topics in this episode, but I know you all have been listening to me for a long time. So you understand that I'm not picking sides here. We are having a, we are having a forthright conversation about how people have different experiences of the world. There are people out there who love them some Trump. There are some people out there who love them some Biden. And then there's those people in the middle who think that the whole thing is just burning down a country. Now, regardless of where you find yourself in there, one of my strongest discussion topics about Trump versus Biden and what's been going on for the last six some years since Obama left has been it's not necessarily that people despise or hate Trump. OK, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to mind reading what you think about this. Let me just get to my point. I believe that when somebody sees a leader, somebody in power, who they perceive as spewing out toxic information, or they perceive as doing things that are not benefiting what their needs are, regardless if it might be benefiting others' needs, it's not benefiting their needs. They get very concerned that it's somehow going to infiltrate the entirety of society and it's going to take down what we have grown accustomed to, what we have grown comfortable with. We have grown very comfortable in having decent prices on, on goods and services. We have grown very comfortable with knowing that we'll always have a gas station to fill up our car, that we're going to have the peace and freedom that we've grown accustomed to so that we can plan things out days and weeks and months and years and decades out. We've, we've grown very comfortable knowing our 401k will be there, we've, that our housing, uh, that our housing uh, market will, it will, it will fluctuate. If you buy a house, it's a good investment, and you're probably going to make some money off of it whenever you sell it. We've grown very comfortable with our American lifestyle. And when Trump came out, a lot of people seemed to have a meltdown over the fact that they thought he was going to crumble the entire infrastructure down. And just likewise, there are people out there who think that Biden is going to crumble the entire infrastructure down. Now, I'm not a mind reader, and I'm not a soothsayer, and I'm not a fortune teller. So I have no idea where our country is going to be in 2, 10, 20, 50, 100 years from now. I don't even know if half the planet will be habitable based off just temperatures rising and icebergs melting. And I'm not even going to get into whether that's man-made or not. The fact is it's, it's happening right if you If you walked by a sink and it was getting ready to to overflow because it had been stopped up, would you turn would you at least turn the faucet off or down? Would you at least try to do something to keep the water from overflowing in the sink? Yes, more than likely so conversely, there are things that we can do, whether it's all on us and whether the earth is just going through a cycle that's a conversation to be had for another day, but even that's divisive. Even that can cause people to get angry. And some of you may have already turned me off because you don't even, you can't even entertain somebody else's point of view on a subject like this. When we step into conversations like I'm having with you right now, emotionally grounded, centered, where we are willing to at least hear somebody else's point of view, knowing that they were raised in the city or the country or the suburbs or whatever it might be, and that they're going to have a different point of view. And just because we listen to their point of view doesn't mean we condone or agree or embrace or accept it. But we can embrace and accept the person. We can decide in that moment, you know what? This person has a lived experience different than mine, and that is okay. That is not, that is, it's beyond okay. It's actually amazing. It's amazing how diverse and how splendid and how wonderful this world can be. When we can look across the aisle or across the street or across the way and realize that person is not our enemy unless we choose for them to be our enemy. We are not their enemy unless they choose for us to be their enemy. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years of human evolution has dictated that if you have something and I want it, I'm just going to come over and take it. Right, you talk about the people who lived in Scandinavia back then, the Vikings. Right, they would see all these people with their farmland and they were, and with their their f- fertile soil and all of this stuff that they had, and they were like, "Wow, look at all this food they have, and all this gold they have, and all these amazing things they have." And you know what? I want some of this stuff, so I'm just gonna go ahead and just come in and take it. There could have been other ways if the people, let's say England or, or the Gauls or anybody in that region would have been like, hey, you know what? We don't got to hate on each other. We got tons. Why don't you Why don't you bring over some of your fish? Why don't you teach us how to navigate the seas? This is going to be super awesome. We'll show you guys how to tend the land. We'll show you exactly how to farm, right? You know, it's, it's very similar to what the Native Americans did for the pilgrims when they first came over and, you know, the Mayflower and the Plymouth Rock and, you know, that was hard times. The, the 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 pilgrims didn't even realize that they could take their seeds and put uh, fish bones and the fish carcass from dinner the night before down in the ground, and that would cause the soil to be more fertile, and then the seed could actually sprout and plant and come up, and next thing you know, they've got food. The Native Americans taught them how to do that. Now, manifest destiny and everything that happened aside, there was that ability in that moment for them to work together. Now, ultimately, the governments and and other people made decisions that caused, I'm sure, no doubt, some friendships that were made amongst the natives and amongst the settlers to quickly disintegrate. But again, we didn't have to see them as the enemy. They didn't have to see us as the enemy. And I'm sure there was instances where we were not met with open arms, um, just as much as I'm sure there was instances where we did not welcome them with open arms. But we have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. You live here, I live there, therefore we're different. Your skin's light, my skin's dark, therefore we're different. You read one book, I read another book, we we, we, we both have a God, but it's not used by the same name, so therefore we're enemies. You've got your skin, I've got mine, we're enemies. You've got your gold, I've got my gold, we're enemies. I want what you have, you want what I have, now we're going to fight, we're going to kill each other, we're going to devastate entire communities and towns and villages, but by God, at least we're going to throw down our will and make it stronger and more powerful and mightier than yours. Think about how many of the stories we have from the history that are just written by the victors. We don't have to behave like that anymore. We can understand that life is bountiful and amazing and that there's plenty of room on this planet for all of us to succeed. We can figure out more amenable ways to grow um, agriculture and to foster, um, you know, our food production in a way that doesn't deplete natural resources. Or we can just continue arguing and screaming at each other about the environment and about climate and about politics and about um, human rights and social justice rights. And we can we can just keep screaming at one another, but that's being emotionally reactive. That's allowing the reptilian brain to dictate your behavior. And you have seen it just as much as I have, that when people start screaming at one another, nothing gets resolved. If you've ever seen a school fight, what well, turns into a little pushing match and could easily Easily disperse. It easily could just fade away, and the two people could be like, Screw you, screw you. Well, screw them us both. I'm gonna go to class now. But what happens? Everybody starts gathering around. And next thing you know, a couple people start yelling, fight, mob mentality, mob rule, mob order takes over. And now everybody's yelling, fight, 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 fight. Punches are thrown, kids are kicked out of school, perhaps lives are ruined if the if the violence is very bad there's all of these things happening. We didn't even get into gun shootings and school shootings and everything. All of these things are happening. And when we start to ask ourselves, what are some of the causes? The lack of emotional intelligence in this society, in our society, in this world, has us thinking that anger and violence and guilt and shame and anxiety and stress are just, that's just the way life is. Yes, those will be around and those will be very apparent sometimes, but there also can be happiness, and there can be contentment, and there can be confidence, and calm, and clarity. All of these things could also exist just as frequently, if not more, than the quote-unquote undesirable negative emotions. When we react with our reptilian brain and don't calm ourselves down and, and get emotionally grounded, then mob mentality, then that, you know, that reptilian brain takes over and we just go back to acting like children. We go back to acting like, you know, the cavemen where cave people that we used to be, where it was just bang on, bang on head, bang on head. You know, next thing you know, they're throwing rocks and then it's spears and then it's bows and arrows. And you know, then it's eventually guns and now it's missiles blowing up malls in, you know, Eastern Europe. It's absurd. And we can keep going at each other and keep thinking that war and anger and fighting is the only way to go. And it's a damn shame because humans are going to destroy themselves with this mentality. China and Russia and India and Pakistan and all these other countries with nuclear weapons. It's only a matter of time before somebody just does something that we can't come back from. So in your own community, in your own life, you can choose to be emotionally grounded. We can turn this into a grassroots effort. And I'm going to so end us out of here on this it's not always easy to stop yourself when you're being extremely reactive when your reptilian brain's taking it over so i would I would very much implore you to just start with small things. When somebody cuts you off, when somebody uh, bumps your cart at the grocery store, when somebody steps in front of you at the deli counter and, and goes ahead of you and they shouldn't, or when somebody cuts in line at the airport or a restaurant, whatever it is, these small little moments where you feel disrespected, realize that person isn't doing anything inherently against you. They're doing something for themselves. Yes, their ego and their pride might have them thinking that they're better than you. So therefore, they lack any humility and they step in front of you and go out of turn. They cut you off and put your life in danger because they think what's happening in their life is more important than what's happening in your life. It's the human condition. People are just conditioned to think that they're the center of their own world because their mind has them convinced that they are because their mind wants to keep them alive, keep them breathing. We are just like any other organism out there. We do not want to die. So we make ourselves a center of our own world so that we can make sure that we get what we need for survival. But we're in a position, at least in most of the major you know, um, developed nations, where just surviving, we're beyond that. Now we're actually a, in, a, in a situation where we can be thriving, where we can be cultivating other communities, where we can be helping others. And yes, it is going to require that everybody steps up and does their part. And you can start doing that at your own college, at your own university. You can help by being more inclusive, not by segregating people off based on what they are or aren't, not by closing a door in front of somebody's face because they don't agree with you, but by saying, hey, you know what? I noticed that you have a different opinion. You have a different way of thinking or being or seeing, whatever it might be. I'm really, really curious as to how that came about. Let's sit down and let's have a conversation. And first and foremost, start with these little small things, right? Somebody runs up to you and starts screaming in your face. It might be very difficult for you to step into that space of emotionally grounded, where you don't just want to react and scream back or push back or hit back. I get it, right? We all have that reptilian inside of us that just wants to lash out. So start with the small things. Step back, take a deep breath ask yourself, what is the conclusion I want from this interaction? If what the other person wants is to yell and scream in your face, understand that they're going through something in that moment. And it's not necessarily about you as much as it's about a need within them that isn't being fulfilled. And we've talked about human needs before. We've discussed this back in episode 134. And we've discussed how your mind attaches meaning to things. So they have their own needs. They have their own meanings and they're doing whatever they're doing in front of you, which is clearly, let's just get going with this model that I've created. They're angry and they're presenting that in front of you. So what are some ways that you could step back and in that moment say, okay, I am observing and that's a really great way to start a a sentence. I am observing you with with a raised voice. Your face is very red. What is it you can observe about them without sounding like you're judging? If it sounds like judgment words, replace them with observational words. I'm observing your face is red. I'm observing your voice is loud. I'm observing something's going on right now that I don't quite understand, but I just showed up to this situation and I'm really confused as to what's going on. So think about this. Because the more we yell and scream at one another, the more we think that we all can't succeed if... And that's and that's that's how Hollywood was. That's how Los Angeles was. People would think, well, if I see you succeed, that means you just took a gig I could have had. You just took food off my plate. You just took money out of my pocket. When that's not the case, I succeeded today. That doesn't mean that you won't succeed tomorrow. It doesn't mean you couldn't have succeeded an hour from now. Instead of getting pissed off at me because you didn't get the role. You didn't get the gig. You didn't think of this first. And so now I'm off doing it. And now you're over here being pissed off that you didn't think of it. And somehow I took something from you. I didn't take anything from you. I just was living my life, trying my damnedest, and I've succeeded at this one thing. You can also be succeeding at your thing. There is room enough on this planet for all of us to succeed. And I get that I didn't answer all these existential questions about the meaning of life or why we're all here. Or by all, by no means was I going to be able to answer the question of how do we all just get along when it comes to guns and and, and healthcare and abortion and, and climate change and politics and all that. Because, I mean, those are, there is no completion of that conversation. Because everybody has their own unique experience, their own unique lived experience. When you can just embrace the differences of people and understand that they are going to have a whole different point of view, and it doesn't necessarily make them wrong, perhaps that makes them wrong in your eyes, but it doesn't make them wrong into the entire world. It just means that they have a different lived experience. And then ask yourself, what what could have possibly created that? And if you can just necessarily answer that on your own, ask them questions. In fact, you shouldn't even try to answer it on your own. You should ask them questions. You just might find out that they stared outside their window their entire lives at a tent city full of homeless people defecating in the streets and openly using drugs. And they might have a completely different expression of their values and morals and ethics based off what they saw out their window for years. Just like the person like me right now, staring at these deer for the entire half hour we have been on the microphone and marveling at the beauty and majesty that is life. And every time a squirrel jumps or a leaf or falls or a twig cracks, they look up and they get scared and they're about ready to run. But then nope, everything's okay. No hyena, no cheetah, no, I don't even know what their natural predator would be in these woods, but nothing's there. So they go back, continue to eat the corn. Somebody looking at deer their whole life is going to have a very different viewpoint on the world than somebody looking at homelessness their whole life. doesn't make anybody right or wrong. It just means that we're unique and we're amazing and the human experience is infinite and it's a blessing. When you react emotionally, you slug all that away. You shut it down and you miss out on an opportunity to connect. If you're emotionally grounded, then you have the opportunity to connect. And you have to ask yourself and write this down on one page and, and put it on the frickin' door of your refrigerator. Do you want to be right or do you want to connect? That is the essence of inclusivity over exclusivity. Embrace that and maybe, just maybe, we can start the grassroots effort that will change the world and we can say we did it right now, right here as always my friends inclusivity over exclusivity the power of positive energy release and flow every day is the best day of my life because i wake up sober if you'd like to know more about how to join the hub it is not just a recovery based thing because obviously you know i have that other podcast from sobriety recovery it is a way for you to understand how your mind creates your reality to take on personal responsibility, to really embrace the world around you and understand your six human needs and how you're fulfilling them, it can actually be disconnecting you rather than connecting you. There is an infinite amount of guiding light that you can begin to point yourself toward, and I am very appreciative that I am one of those lights. See you next week. Bye-bye.